All right, good morning. I'd like to welcome those to First Church this morning and those listening on the radio as well as watching on Facebook Live. Would you please rise and join me to the call of worship taken from Psalm 19, 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than the honey, than the honey from the honeycomb. Your servant is born, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight.
Amen. You may be seated. At this time, it's my joy to invite forward Rowan Paul Vortemark for the Sacrament of Holy Baptism. Rowan is the son of Chris and Sarah Vortemark. I invite them and their family to come forward at this time. Come on up. You guys can stand right over here with me. It's always an exciting time, always an exciting thing to be able to uh, have a moment like this. You are excited today, aren't you? Hey, buddy. Um, to be able to celebrate this and with you guys as a family, it's really special. And it's a great opportunity to remind all of us about our commitment to the Lord and our hope that is in him. So I want to encourage you to hear these words first from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, an invitation, a promise that Jesus makes to all of us. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so it's in obedience to this command that the church baptizes believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached that first sermon, the crowd responded and wondered what they must do in response. And so Peter tells them, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the, Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So Chris and Sarah, I ask you these questions now as a statement of your faith, this faith that you are promising today to pass on to your children. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God, praise God. And our church, we invite you to... Uh, recite the Apostles' Creed with us together as a statement of our shared faith in Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again, and seated at the right hand of the and send it to heaven, seat at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. See, there's a reason it's printed in our bulletins, right? Even I skip a line every once in a while, but thank you for sharing that, speaking that together with us this morning. And so having heard, Chris and Sarah, having heard gracious, God's gracious promise to us in Christ, do you desire that Rowan be baptized into this faith? Praise God. And church family, I invite you to consider how you can encourage them and support them in the commitment they're making today. We believe that the parents are the primary disciple makers for their children, and, and, but we as a church have a responsibility to come alongside them and help them to accomplish that promise and accomplish what they are vowing to do today. And so I encourage you to think of the ways that you can do that, both 
formally and informally to support them as they seek to raise their children to know the Lord. And so having heard their desire to baptize their child and raise him to know Christ, do you promise your love and support and care to them as they love, support, and care for you as you seek to know and follow Christ? Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life, and we thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw him to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May he grow to love you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for his parents, that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, Rowan obviously is kind of the center of attention in a, in a moment like this. But the commitment that we're talking about here is really on, your, on you, Sarah and Chris. It's your commitment to raise him to know the Lord just as you did for your daughter as well. And so I ask you these questions um, about the commitment that you're making today before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Rowan by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and teach him to pray? And do you promise to nurture him within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. Now here's always the moment of truth. Rowan, will you come to me? Hey, buddy. Oh, oh. Okay, you doing okay? Those bright light, those lights are bright, aren't they? So, Rowan, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. And we thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Rowan, bless and strengthen him daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love and deepen his faith. Keep him from the power of evil and enable him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May he grow to know, love, and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also ask that you look with kindness on Chris and Sarah. Let them always rejoice in the gift that you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Rowan to know you, love you, and serve you and his neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Congratulations, guys. There you go. We do have a gift for you. There's a Bible and a uh, white rose on the altar here. You guys can grab that after the service. Um, but those are gifts for you guys and your family. And uh, those lights are bright, aren't they, buddy? Um, but congratulations. We're really excited for you and excited to come alongside you as you uh, commit to teach them about the Lord. So congratulations. Um, as they go and be seated, I want to invite the children to come forward for children's chat as well. Uh, we're going to have a song that we sing during this time. So as they are heading back to their seats and children are come for coming forward, I invite you to stand and sing with us.
that sound great? Everyone be seated, please. Is that a neat song? Yes. That song came to me a few weeks ago when I was driving, being able to do some things I haven't done in the long in a while, and all at once it came. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. What does it mean to worship in song? You think of singing as part of worship? Standing up here and hearing the whole congregation sing that song. That is a song I grew up with. I'm sure many others have too. But when we praise God, we can praise by singing. Now, I know one young man was singing praise this morning. Weren't you, Miles? And it's fun. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? Because God's done wonderful, wonderful things. What's your favorite Sunday school song? Anybody have a favorite Sunday school song? One that just pops in your head? Hmm? All of them. Well, that makes it easy. Jesus loves me. And why does Jesus love me? Loves you? What tells you that? The Bible tells you that. And this Bible is full of songs. And it's in the book of Psalms. So there's just really things. Sometimes we don't think about songs. I'm sorry? I will trust is a good one. I'm sure you don't like hallelujah, do you? Huh? Yeah, that one gets really loud, doesn't it? Get really excited. But you know, when you grow up, and boys, I want to tell you, you can sing as, as grown-up men, okay? It doesn't work just to hold your hymnal like this and nothing coming out of your mouth. Somewhere around 5th, 6th grade, then everyone decides it's not cool to sing. But men sing. Did Jesus sing? How do you know that? Hmm? Yeah. What makes you think, what makes you think he sang? Yes, he did. You know what? I didn't know. I couldn't answer that question. But listen here. In Matthew 26, verse 30, and this was right after they had the Last Supper in the upper room, it said, and when they had sung a hymn, what does that mean? The disciples and Jesus were in the upper room. Who are they? All those people. Jesus sang and they went out to the Mount of Olives. Before he went out to where they were going to capture him, he sang. And that was part of the Passover feast. And the same thing is in Mark. The same thing says exactly the same thing. So we know that Jesus sang. And the people in Jesus' time, when they celebrated the Passover, they sang. And they sang a lot of psalms, you know, out of the Bible. And a lot of times they started out with Psalm 113. So, yeah, I have Mom and Dad read that to you because it's really cool. There's 400 places in the Bible that talks about singing and 50 places that talks about singing to the Lord and praising Him. So in Psalm 147, it says, Praise to the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song. Praises this morning 
I think we were really singing praises, really singing praises. And it says, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. And that's in Psalm 47. And at the beginning of the psalm they use for Passover, praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, Psalm 113. All the earth praises the Lord. You think about when the ocean's crashing against the shores, that it's praising the Lord because God made them. The stars twinkling and sparkling and shining at night. Did God make those? Yes, and he, they're praising him. The wind whistling like yesterday, who made that? God did, and we need to praise him. And the crickets at night, God made those, and they praise him. Everything that God makes praises him, and he made us, and we need to praise him also. So some of the sweetest praise comes from you guys. Did you know that? Children have a special part in God's heart. And we're all children of God. So we need to put a happy face on. And think about the words that are in the songs. Because they tell Bible stories in the songs. So that's going to be your assignment. Because think about what things are in the... It says the most wonderful thing God has done for us is to give us Jesus and that salvation to spend eternity in heaven with him. He deserves our never-ending praise because he sent Jesus to save us from our sins. He gave it to the whole world. So you'll be surprised when you grow up, but all at once, God's going to put a song in your head like he did me and driving down the road or whether you're studying or something like that. And you'll say, praise the Lord. God is here for me. Let us say a prayer. Great God, thank you for giving us music, the gift of your word, and Jesus to save us from our sins. Help us give you praise through our songs in our lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us come through the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together to worship you. God, we thank you for who you are, that you are our good Father, Lord, that you lead us and you guide us through all the seasons of life, but you ultimately guide us into deeper relationship with you. God, I thank you for wanting a relationship with us and for going to great lengths like sending your Son to bring us into relationship with you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, we thank you for giving us life in you. God, I pray that you would strengthen our relationship with you, strengthen us by your spirit. I pray that we as a body of believers would be rooted and established in your love and that we would know how wide and long and deep your love is. God, we thank you. Just like we've saying, saying all morning for your faithfulness, Lord, you are so faithful. And every promise that you have made has come to pass, Lord. That you, you, are, you stay true to your word and what you say you will do, Lord. And because of that, we can trust you. We can trust that no matter what, that you are always there. That you will always lead and guide us in the directions you want us to go, even when the path is scary at times, Lord. God, we lift up those that are on our cares and concerns list. We pray that you would be with each person 
on that list. You know their needs better than we do, Lord, and you know how to meet meet each need that they have. And so we ask that you would just provide for them according to your will, Lord. Um, Bring comfort, bring healing, and bring your peace. God, I pray for Pastor Joel this morning as he shares your word with us, as he talks about staying on the path that you have for us. I pray that you would speak through him and open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us this morning. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, amen. Just want to remind you that our offering this morning is going to support the Gospel Tent at the Auglaize County Fair. Um, This is a ministry that we've supported for many years, and many people are blessed by it um, at the fair in the summer. So uh, I encourage you to give as you feel led to give today, and the undesignated portion of the offering will go towards the the Gospel Tent at the Auglaize County Fair. In case you missed the announcement at the beginning of the service, I just want to remind you that the Blue Jug is out here as well. Uh, the blue jug is to support the Mississippi, uh, the tornadoes that took place in Mississippi recently, and we want to do what we can to support them as well. So in addition to the, the gospel tent support, if you'd like to give to that cause, I encourage you to do so as well at the end of the service. I invite the deacons to come forward for, to collect our offering.
understanding for the scripture. The scripture comes from Joshua 1, verses 7 through 9 today. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. You may be seated. Thank you, Anita. Let's pray together. Father God, as we have a chance to open your word now together, we, I ask that you uh, open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Remember, several years ago, this is before Allie and I were married. In fact, it was our first trip back home to New York for Allie to, to, to meet my parents and my family. Uh, we were driving from Indiana, where we were in school, to New York, where I grew up. And it's not a short trip. It's about seven or eight hours, depending on traffic and making stops. And, and we were, I was ready to be home after a long journey. And so as we were approaching that last exit in New York, where I was ready to get off, I might have allowed my foot to get a little bit heavy as I was driving down the highway. And, uh, and just ready to be home, ready to be there after a long journey. And of course, on that last stop, those last couple miles on the highway, I saw the lights flashing behind the car in the rearview mirror, and I got pulled over. And I literally, we came to a stop literally in front of the sign that said, exit one mile to my destination. And so when the police officer came over to the window and asked where we were going, I looked up and said, there. <laughs> After seven and a half or so hours, I was ready to be home, and I allowed myself to be a little bit lax with the rules, and it cost me, literally. Um, here we have a story of jo in Joshua chapter 1, where Israel is finally at the end of a long journey. They're about to enter into new territory, both literally and figuratively. They stand on the banks of the Jordan, ready to enter the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But Moses, their leader, is gone. He was their leader since they had left Egypt, and now Joshua stands in his place. And you can imagine, after a long journey like that, they may have begun to get a little lax with the rules like I was on the highway all those years ago. See, they were about to enter a new territory with new temptations. Canaan, this promised land that God had given to them, was not empty. It was filled with people who worshipped other gods and did detestable things. They worshipped gods like Baal and Asherah and Molech. And worship of these gods often included things like child sacrifice and illicit sexual activity, practices that were both morally and ethically detestable. And so the Lord knew that as his people were going to enter into this land, there were going to be temptations. There was going to be the draw to live like those people lived and worship the gods that they worshipped. There was going to be a temptation to abandon the Lord and his law. You see, we face the same challenges today, don't we? We're not entering a new promised land. We're not going to inherit a land filled with other people. But when we walk out of the doors of this church today, we're going to enter a world full of very unique and challenging temptations. 
the temptations to worship other gods, not altars dedicated to Baal or Asherah poles, but there are plenty of very real and very dangerous temptations. We may be tempted to give ourselves over to the gods of politics, of money, of power or pleasure, of technology and social media, or the, the god of individualism. Right? There are many real temptations, many real gods, so-called gods, and idols that draw our attention. You see, we're in a battle for identity. Right? People are made in God's image. They belong to him. And yet, yet we are tempted to forget that truth and create a reality of our own choosing. Right? Culture has bought into the lie that you can do anything or be anything that you want. They teach that any limit or restraint on behavior or is evil and must be rejected. Our mantra today is just be true to yourself and follow your heart. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says to live for the one who made you, to find your identity in Christ. When I was growing up, one of my favorite stories was Toy Story. One of my favorite movies was Toy Story. And in that story, the main character, Woody, belonged to a person named Andy. And the way that Andy marked his ownership of this toy was by writing his name in permanent marker on the bottom of Woody's foot. And when Woody felt lost and rejected later on in the movie, all he had to do was look down and see that name written on his foot to remind him who he belonged to, that he was Andy's toy. But you see, God did more than write his name on your foot. He made you in his image. You are a child of God. You are a son or daughter of the king of kings. So we should live like one. Our identity in Christ ought to influence how we live in this fallen world. The knowledge that you belong to him will equip you to reject those false ideologies and false gods of this world and remain loyal to him. And so what is the Lord's instruction to Joshua and his people as they're about to enter into this new territory? He tells them three times in a matter of four verses, and courageous. In other words, he says to be firm, to be steadfast, to be confident and bold. He reminds them, it reminds me of the command that we've heard Tori preach on over and over, Pastor Tori preach on over and over again in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The strength we needed, the strength we need to be confident and bold comes from the Lord. We're unable to do it on our own. We must rely on him and stay connected to the source of that power. And it requires strength and courage to remain faithful to the Lord. It did in Joshua's day, and it still requires strength and courage today. Obeying God's word is not easy or natural. It never has been, and it never will be. In the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number five says this, can you live up to all of this, referring to the law perfectly? And the answer is no. I have a natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. You see, we are so affected by sin that our natural bent is to reject God and to reject his law. It's like swimming against the current. Uh, many of you have been on vacation on the beach and, and you go out into the water and, and you just you know, float there, right? You enjoy yourself. You, you jump over the waves and do those sorts of things. And as you're playing, you may start here, but as you are enjoying your time out there and you're jumping over the waves and you're having fun with your kids and you're just kind of floating out there, pretty soon you realize that you end up in a completely different spot than where you started. Without even realizing it, the, the current and the tide pull you away from where you started. 
and you end up in a completely different spot. When you're out in the water, what you need is a point of reference to keep, make sure you know where you belong. The last time we were at the beach, it was our hotel. We were able to see the hotel clearly from wherever we were on the beach, and that was our point of reference. When we started to drift, we could look up and see the hotel and know where we needed to go to get back on track. See, God's Word, Scripture, is that fixed point for us, and we are called to keep our focus on it, to remain faithful to the Lord. We can easily stray from the path without his word, either to the right or to the left, because there are many temptations there. And God's call is for us to stay in the path and not end up in the ditch. And verse 8 in this passage is the key. And to sum it up, he says, the way that you be strong, the way that you are able to be strong and courageous, the way they are able to stand firm in the face of worldly temptation is to speak, meditate on, and obey the law of the Lord. And so for the time we have left, we're going to focus on those three things, to speak, to meditate on, and to obey the law of the Lord. Now this first one, to speak it, to always keep it on your lips, may seem simple, but it's often the simplest methods that are the most effective. Don't overlook the power of speaking and thinking of and talking about God's Word. You see, if you're talking about God's Word, you're going to think about it. And if you're thinking about it, then you're going to live it out. That's the progression that's described in this passage. So how do we keep God's word on our lips? Well, first of all, the first thing that we can do is memorize it. The best way to memorize God's word is to repeatedly say it out loud. And you're never too young and you're never too old to start memorizing scripture. Awana this past year has been such a blessing in this regard. You know, the, those kids memorizing scripture have far out exceeded my expectations. And it's so important that that we're able to memorize scripture. And the best way we can do that is to repeat after, to, to repeat it on our lips, say it out loud. So we're gonna practice that here real quick. And I know that we're not much of a call and response church. I get that, right? But I want you to repeat after me, okay? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do, not be do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go. Amen? Hey, there we go. There we go. So repeating God's word can help us to memorize it and to keep it on our hearts. It's also important to talk about it with other people, whether it's small groups, Bible studies, or even with your own family. Talking about God's word with other people can encourage us and even keep us accountable. One of the most helpful tools that I've realized for keeping myself on track with a Bible and a year reading plan has been being part of groups that talk about it regularly. Knowing that, knowing that we're going to talk about it gives me the encouragement and the accountability to stay on track with that. And it's been very rewarding. And we can also talk about God's word publicly. We believe that faith is personal. It's a personal decision to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. But it's not ever meant to be a private faith. So don't be afraid to say what you believe when you're given the opportunity. And be bold. It doesn't require a megaphone or a soapbox. God will give you opportunities. We are called to be ready for them. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Again, this 1 Peter 3, 15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. And do this with gentleness and respect. So we're called to keep God's word on our lips. The second thing he says here is to meditate on it day and night. 
And as I've reminded you before, to meditate on God's word is not to, excuse me, to meditate on God's word is to think deeply about it, to study it, to let it marinate, right? When you want to, I, I like to cook out on the grill and we actually got a new grill this spring for my, uh, as an early birthday present. And the first time we cooked on it, we, we marinated the chicken and we marinated the steak and then it, it just adds that flavor. But you need to let that marinate sit for a while or else the, so the meat can soak it up, right? And, and so when we meditate on God's word, when we think about it day and night, it's like letting it marinate, letting it soak in so that we can absorb the truth of God's word into our lives. And so to meditate on God's word is to honor God with your mind. God gave you a brain, so you should use it. So ask good questions about scripture, use good resources, and above all, rely on the Holy Spirit to help you understand and apply and remember God's word. Our reason, our ability to think, right, like everything else, like every part of ourself is affected by sin. Yes, God gave you a brain and you should use it to honor him, but he also gave you the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to guide us in the right direction, to make sure our reasoning and our knowledge don't go off course. We're called to meditate on God's word day and night. God's word should be on our mind all day, every day. You see, our commitment to Christ goes beyond the walls of this sanctuary. It goes beyond the few hours that we spend together at church. A few weeks ago, I mentioned how little time we spend at official church functions compared to other activities during the week. And it bears repeating, right? If we're not careful, those outside voices will easily drown out God's word. One or two hours a week at church are not enough to sustain you throughout the week. You need to be in God's word every day to be strong and courageous. And so commit yourselves to a regular rhythm of prayer and Bible study and Christian fellowship. It's like being on a sports team, right? If you were on a basketball team or soccer team or volleyball team, and you just showed up to the games and never took time to practice, you probably wouldn't be very successful, right? But in order to be successful on the court or the field, in order to win, you need to put in the work in between the games. You need to study the playbook. You need to practice. You need to put in the sweat between those times in order to be ready for the game. And the same is true with life. We need to make sure that we are putting in the work. We're studying the playbook. We're developing relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us so that when life is hard, we have something solid to fall back on. And so how do we do this with God's word? How do we meditate on it? We must read and study the Bible ourselves and in community. I've already talked about the importance of that. Use study tools like your, your study Bible notes or a dictionary to help you understand. Look at those notes or to look things up if you don't understand. And it's important to read God's word with a plan or process, right? Don't just read God's word haphazardly. Approach it in a way that helps you remember and understand what you're reading. And there's lots of ways that that can be done, and I'd be glad to talk with you about it when we have more time. But the most important thing you can do is pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand before and after you read. We have direct access to the author of scriptures. We better take advantage of that. Finally, the last thing Joshua encourages, or excuse me, the Lord encourages Joshua and the people of Israel to do is to obey, to be careful to do everything that's written in the law. See, you just, we just read the Great Commission earlier when we baptized Rowan. 
when we talk about making disciples, it's about teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. Obedience is the proper response to saving faith. It's the natural outcome of our faith and our commitment to the Lord. He says to be careful, to guard, to protect, to watch over. In other words, obedience doesn't just happen on accident. It's something that we must pursue and be intentional about. And so guard your mind and heart from the distractions that will impede your ability to obey. He says that we're called to obey everything. And this is an important point I don't want to just gloss over. He says obey everything that is written in it. Our faith is not meant to be a buffet line where we pick and choose the parts of Scripture that we will obey. Obedience to God is obedience to all of his word. It's all or nothing. Yes, discipleship is inconvenient at times, and it will require you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And so as his disciples, we must learn to die to ourselves so that Christ may live in us. And finally, finally, we must remember that we can't do this on our own that it is the Holy Spirit who enables us and equips us to be obedient. This all may seem like a tall task. How can someone possibly obey all of God's commands? And the reality is that they can't, at least not on their own. We cannot obey in our own strength. We cannot muster up enough willpower to be obedient to God. And so we must rely on Him. And that's what the prophet Ezekiel says in chapter 36, verses 25 through 28. Looking forward to the new covenant, he says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Then I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. Notice what Ezekiel is, is referencing here, what he's looking forward to in the fulfillment that happens at Pentecost, that God gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us, to empower us, to equip us to live for him. We can't do it on our own, so we must rely on him for the strength that we need. And so I encourage you, say it, think it, do it. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the encouragement that is there. I pray that you help us all to live it out to the best of our ability through your power and your strength working in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing our closing song with us today, Build Your Kingdom Here.
Amen, amen. Now, the, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.